In reflecting on the completion of his first year at Church of Our Savior, Richard Helmer looks to the opening of the Transfiguration story in Luke and its reference to the eighth day, pointing to the way God's grace and glory are revealed to us outside of the cycles of time. In the name of Christ, transfigured before us. Amen. Today marks one year almost to the day since I first stepped up in this pulpit to deliver a sermon for a Sunday worship service here at Church of Our Savior. And what a year it has been. We have gotten to know each other a bit, looked backwards towards the past and forward towards the future. We've gotten in and out of each other's way. We've laughed together, cried at times together. We've stood up to be counted when it mattered and quietly furthered the work of the people of God the rest of the time. We've prayed. We've shared the common cup and the body of Christ. We've fondly said farewell to good friends and welcomed new ones. We've helped strangers and companions on the journey with us. We've cleaned cobwebs out of the church corners and chased bats out of the belfry. We've even invited a few skeletons out for a good airing and put them back into perspective. And yes, we've washed some of the blood off the woodwork and polished the brass. We've even brought new staff on board, and the list goes on and on. It's been a year. And so this month, the vestry shifts back into full gear and holds another town meeting next week about, well, honestly, me. So with an ounce of sense still left, my family and I are quietly out of pocket next weekend. Later in the month, we hold a mutual ministry review, and in September, the formal end to this strange process of long-term interim will draw to a close one way or another, with the vestry voting to decide whether this is a good fit for all of us. Yes, it's been a full year, a cycle, but completions of a full cycle have a great deal more about them than just an election to determine who gets to be rector. The completion of a cycle means a new start, a new direction, a new beginning, and even an opportunity to step out of the cycle altogether and see, perhaps, from the mountaintop. Today's Gospel reading, the strange story of the Transfiguration, begins in Luke with this phrase about eight days after Jesus had foretold his death and resurrection. Eight is a strange number. Seven would surely be more appropriate. We are tempted to obsess over there being seven days in the week, and the seventh day is important to us as it was to an ancient Jewish people. It's a theme that harkens back to the earliest scriptures. It's a theme that harkens back to Genesis. But Luke moves the timeline of the narrative along by proclaiming the transfiguration happens on about the eighth day, 
A cycle is complete, I hear Luke saying with this expression. Jesus is turning towards Jerusalem, and the revelation of who he is and who he will be is approaching a climax. The transfiguration on the mountaintop presages the resurrection, but it also reaches back into the great past of the disciples' spiritual tradition with the appearance, too, of Moses and Elijah. We are reminded of Moses' sojourn with God on Mount Sinai, of what enlightenment might mean in the Judeo-Christian tradition, literally enlightenment, of being filled from the inside out with the light that comes from God. Time appears to have stopped. On the eighth day, Peter, John, and James have stepped with Jesus for a moment out of the familiar cycle, over the edge even, and into a timeless, holy space where all of history is one and the great and holy ones, even if dead, are found alive and fully revealed as God's glorious children. It is a taste of heaven the revealed kingdom of God, the reign of the great and holy one. Now for many Christians around the world, the expressions kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven and eternal life have a down the road or at the end or after I'm dead or the second second coming has happened quality to them. In the popular mind, we spend our lives being tested for this great reward at the end of all things. If we persevere, we may attain it, perhaps by God's grace. If we fail, we might risk being divorced from it forever. But the transfiguration shares with us a much more intimate and dangerously close experience of heaven, one that is much more familiar to mystics and saints across the ages than our popular notions of the kingdom of God. Dangerous because the transfiguration is transformative, intimate because it is on the ground with us if we dare to let it in. Jesus told his disciples that the kingdom of heaven was among them. At least one of the non-canonical Gospels goes even further, having Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is in them, in us, as though we carry the seeds of eternal life already germinating, even into our regular and often mundane lives. Most of us have learned at the gut level from time to time that this may indeed be true, We pinch ourselves because we can scarcely believe it. We tell ourselves it isn't rational, it doesn't make sense. But we've had those experiences of being on mountaintops, of seeing the world afresh and unspeakably beautiful, filled with the glory of God, as though somehow we were newborns again with eyes open with wonder. 
On one occasion or another, sometimes waking, sometimes dreaming, we've stepped out of time and over the edge, beyond the cycle of our everyday lives, and into timeless moments that touch on eternity, the holy now where the real power of love and true joy have been revealed in all their glory, where the glorified Christ has spoken to us as though he were next to us, talking to us directly, or inside of us, speaking out of the deepest and most wondrous places of our hearts. These experiences are at the root of faith, And they're radically transformative. Like Peter, James, and John, we will often find them dumbfounding, and we can barely pluck up the courage to speak of them most of the time. They seem to come from outside of time, and they completely alter our cycles. They push us into new paths of life. They steal us for a moment from the power of ego and set us free to take a baby step into a new way of being. And then, of course, the moment comes when we blink. And like Peter, James, and John, we clumsily begin acting on the desire to encapsulate the feeling, the moment, the place, or the timelessness of it all. And like an old clock, the wheels of time begin to turn again grinding away in the familiar pattern, and we are back in the cycle. And yet we are changed somehow. Completing one cycle can mean that we are caught up in the drudgery of beginning yet another one. Here we go again, as though business as usual will be our fare for the foreseeable future. This is our great temptation as a church community. The spiritual dangers of treading only familiar territory and forgetting our call as Christians into the challenging and sometimes painful growth that God in Christ offers us. And yet we at Church of Our Savior, as a community of the people of God at the end of a cycle, are now teetering on entering an eighth day as a community. A special time of prayer and discernment and perhaps an encounter with the transfigured Christ in our midst. Some of us will dare to climb that mountain with Christ and risk transformation that will leave us speechless for a time. Others, like the rest of the disciples or the people of Israel, will stay at the foot of the mountain, remain in the cycles of this life, and await word. You and I get to choose this day and every day how we will be part of the story of the transfiguration. But regardless of our choice, the message to us is the same. God's glory is breaking into our lives by guess or by golly, by hook or crook, through the cracks, seams, and accidents of grace. And that means we are always living on the cusp of change, transformation, and hope. 
We are called to live as our spiritual ancestors in the Celtic tradition lived, near a thin place where the laws and rules of the everyday break open as heaven and the spirit of God are close at hand. We surround ourselves with signs of thin places from the beauty of our worship space to the timeless quality of communion to the lifting up of music and prayer. And our call as a community is to make that thin place as available and palpable to as many people as we can, calling forth and nourishing towards growth in them the seeds of the kingdom of God, showing them a glimpse of heaven that lies close at hand among and within us, ready as it is to remake lives drawing us together into communion with the living and the dead and ready to transfigure a broken world and free the people of God and all creation for eternity. Amen. listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907. Or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.